Welcome into the show today. Today we welcome Brian Page, aka one of the men behind the Modern Husband and one of the men behind the mic of the Modern Husband podcast. Today on the show we talk financial literacy, partner managing the money and the home. We talk about being a modern husband and being a man in today's society and where your value comes from even. And we talk about so much more right now. Ball Boy Media presents the Young Dad Podcast with your hosts, the Young Brothers, Jay and Aaron Young. It's about that time for you to pull up a chair, grab a juice box, grab a snack, come sit down and talk with us for a little while. Big thank you to our live in studio audience. Welcome into this week's episode of the Young Dad Podcast. I'm Jay, and with me today is A. Aaron. What up, brother? What's going on, brother? What up? And joining us today, if you're on the YouTubes or if you're on Spotify watching the video of this, you'll see another unfamiliar face, but yet another pretty face with us today is Brian from Modern Husbands. Brian, how the heck are you today? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. I I do have a face for radio, though, so uh, hopefully I'm able to to still resonate with folks. Thanks for having me. So do I. So do I. But here we are. Um, the faces for radios, they're the best. <laughs> they're lovable. Yes. At least that's what my grandma told me. You have right. a lovable face. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Brian, again, welcome. We are so excited to have you on. We're excited to talk about modern husbands because, um, I mean, I'm not a modern husband. I was. I will be again, maybe someday, very maybe. A jury's still out on that one. And then Aaron's a modern husband. So we're super excited to have you on. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about you, your platform, what you do, and just a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Um, so I spent uh, 15 years as a, as a classroom teacher. I taught personal finance and economics. And uh, I, I also had um, other another full-time job uh, so I could afford to teach. And, uh, and then Ultimately, I was also a consultant, so I consulted for like Penn's Wharton School has a program for personal finance and, and visa, um, George Washington University, um, Next Gen Personal Finance. And uh, there was a point in, in our marriage where uh, we we knew that my wife wanted to uh, advance in her career. And uh, frankly, I was working about 80 hours a week and I. Ooh. Uh, yeah, rough, rough. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I have to say just a quick piece of advice. Uh, you need to learn to say no. If you're a young father, you need to learn to say no, uh, when there's career advancement opportunities, because it, it, it doesn't always lead to what's in the best interest of, of your mental health or your family. So, that's, um, just think that's that funny. That's no, that's so true. This, this last week, actually, I was mulling two job offers. And one would would had a relocation as part of it. And, you know, the relocation was about three and a half, four hours from where we are now. And obviously I'm I'm single, I'm divorced, I co-parent with my my ex-wife. And, you know, the relocation job paid quite a bit more. And then the benefits were good. There was additional incentives for certain things like it was very, very competitive. 
And then I had another job offer here that paid paid enough to pay the bills. You know, I wouldn't be struggling or anything or worried about money. But then it ultimately came down to just like, my kids are really young, um, can't really move them. You know, I talked to Aaron about it. I talked to my dad about it. I talked to our grandma about it too. And ultimately it just, it made more sense just to stay here. So unfortunately I had to say no to this just this amazing offer that would have been so cool. The area was beautiful. Like Aaron was like, can't come out, come out, can't wait to come out and visit you guys and just all this stuff. So, you know, it, it's, it's funny that you say that because I had to recently say no. So I, I 100% agree with that. When you're young and you have young kids, you have to, you have to do what's in the best interest, especially if you're co-parenting. You have right. to, you have to think about how, what's best for them so that they have full access to, to both parents the same way that they're used to right now. So. Well, kudos to you because, uh, you know, ultimately what, you know, what's money for? I know it's a bit of a philosophical question, but I'm, I'm somebody who believes that, you know, you should use money on the things and the people who you love the most and that your priorities, your values, your, your shared goals with your spouse, if you have one, and if you don't, obviously your kids are going to come first. That should be the driver behind your financial decision. So kudos to you for making that decision. Um, so, yeah. So anyhow, you know, there, there, there became a point where, um, you know, we flipped and Hope uh, uh, received a job opportunity that uh, first a promotion where she was. And that led to a, a role where she traveled a lot. It was a global role. And I scaled back quite a bit and I started doing you know quite a quite a bit at home, uh, which was very new. I was the old school uh, gender normed relationship where, you know, I, so to speak, brought home the bacon and she took care of the home. And that wasn't like. I don't want to say that was by design. It just seemed like the best, the most practical decision. And then, then we just made sense at the time, right? Yeah. It made sense at the time. And, um, essentially she just continued to advance and it led to an opportunity for, for us to move to Atlanta and the way teaching works is that unfortunately, you know, once you leave the state, you're kind of done because of how, uh, the compensation packages are structured, pensions, um, things like that. You have to yeah. pretty much start from ground zero again. You got st- yeah. With pay and everything. And that, that was, that was tough. Um, I loved teaching. Um, it was, it was a labor of love. Uh, I still miss it today, but, uh, we felt like it was the best opportunity for our family. So, so we moved, I took a, I was really lucky to have an opportunity, uh, that was a remote working position, uh, just, uh, for a, a, the leading per- personal finance provider in the country. And that evolved into, mm. to, to, uh, to lobbying. So before your listeners think, Oh my God, this guy's a lobbyist. He's awful. Um, the only <laughs> thing I lobbied for was, uh, for every high school student, uh, to graduate that they would need to pass a personal finance class. That's it. Um, no strings attached. Curriculum didn't need to be in it. We just felt like that uh, personal finance was a 21st century survival skill uh, and yeah. that, you know, that kids deserve it. And the polling is clear. Like adults will say that's the class I wish I had. Kids will say that's the number one class they wish they had. Are they glad they took? Um, so Absolutely. we uh, I, I got it done in Ohio. Um, and then that's when I was a school teacher. And then uh did the same thing in other states. And frankly, we just got to a point where between my stress and my wife's stress um, and some, some things at home that we needed to manage with our children, that what became more important was that at least one of us focuses um, entirely at home where we still one mm-hmm. of us still works. And that's me. However, um, I have you know a position where it's you know completely flexible and it allows my wife to continue to focus on her career. So 
So we did a flip. We went from me, you know, being the one who really didn't do anything at home to now I'm the one who manages most of the things at home. And um, I, I have to say, like, I'm actually way happier. Uh, I did. It was it was tough to wrap my mind around it for first because of just some some gender norms, um, which is odd. It's not like, you know, I'm not a, like from, you know, a really liberal area of the country. You know, I'm from rural Ohio. Um, and when we decided to do this, it just seemed like super practical. Um, I love my wife mm -hmm. and I'm supporting her and I want her to, you know, continue to advance in her career. And, uh, you know, I love my kids too. So, uh, for us, it just made, you know, tons of sense. And since that point, and I've learned that like a lot of men really struggle with that, unfortunately. Uh, and frankly, like men are hurting. Like when you look at the statistics of where a lot of men are, um, I think a lot of men struggle trying to find their place in this, in a new, in a modern world. Um, Absolutely. And, and that's, and that's really like what we're trying to get at at our core in modern husbands where, um, you know, it's just a, it's a practical, we provide practical insight to managing money in the home together. And, um, you know, we, we do it in a way where, um, you know, we, we want to make sure men recognize that, uh, the days of 75 years ago where you were valued based only on whether you brought home the bacon, those are over. Uh, and those now are those are, those are long gone. They're, they're long gone. Yeah. And, and I'd argue it's, it's now, definitely shifted and it's more important what we do now. Right. Because, um, in a relationship, mm -hmm. oftentimes what, what our spouses need isn't necessarily money. That's not what's more valuable to them. What's more valuable. No, because women are all about, women are all about, you know, Oh, I got my own bag. You know, I don't, I don't need you. I don't need you for your money. Right. I need you for actually being a partner, a a spouse or whatever. Um, partner is kind of the PC term. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I have my money. Yeah. No, that you know, and that is, if you can work through that, um, and realize that that is that is not something that makes you less than that like you, they are many women 40% of women are the breadwinners in a household they truly in many cases don't need that and this was tough for me to wrap my mind around going from always being the breadwinner always having this idea that my only job is to provide and protect and then you know kind of as society's changed and then as my wife's opportunities have arisen realizing that's what our family needs like yeah i need to make a little money but based on our circumstances i need to make sure that their lives are have low stress that um they're able to flourish and and i'm happier they're happier it was a really great decision but the process to get there can be tough for people and and you know partner is not a pc term i have to say we wanted to call ourselves modern partners um because uh you know there are a lot of people who've been together for 15 years who, you know, for lack of a better word, they are married. It's the same kind of structure. They just don't believe in that, yeah. that one way to identify themselves. So we try yeah. to make it a point on our website to share with folks that, you know, yes, we're entitled modern husbands for because people have a tough time finding modern husband, modern partners on a website. Um, mm -hmm. But what we're about is any partnership. It can be very misleading. It can be, yeah. Any partnership. So it could be a man and yeah. woman, man and man. It could be partnerships, spouses. You know, we just want to support couples and make them happier. Definitely. No, and I, I really like what you said without without really saying it, how it's been tough for men to really wrap their heads around. 
this new age like society and it it reflects in the suicide statistics of in america it reflects in the suicide statistics i mean white males accounted for about 70 percent of suicide deaths in 2020 you know men die by suicide 3.88 times more than women yep and the rate of suicide is highest for middle-aged white men not to, you know, bring, but that, those are just statistics. So don't at me for, you know, these statistics and whatnot. But I mean, it, it truly reflects like that value is no longer just attached to your work. That value has to come from somewhere else. And it's not going to come from your work anymore because not a lot of people are working a job that they're absolutely in love with anymore. Aaron and I talked about this, I think just talking, talking with ourselves or another guest a while back, but no one, no one works a job, a career anymore. Like there are no more, I'm in love with this career to work this career. Granted, you did with, you know, teaching and whatnot. But again, those are very specific fields. Like you have to work, you have to love it to work in it. Like I love what I'm going to be going into here in the next week. I love working with people in human services. I love helping people. That's always been my thing. So I love it. And I'm going to really enjoy this next job. But if there's another opportunity that might speak to me more or just be better, I'm not going to really feel that bad about leaving you know yeah yeah and you so, know if i i'm, I'm speculating but the, the statistics that you just shared were from a cdc report because i've seen the same report right where it's yeah they're um, from the they're from the afsp.org uh, okay um, okay fully verified you know i love this website i've used it for plenty of research on my own but um you yeah know, it's it's crazy it is. And I and I read uh, Boys and Men by by Dr. by Richard Reeves from Brookings. And, you know, that he dives into a lot of detail as to how this has been manifesting quietly over time. And, you mm-hmm. know, from from our perspective, um, it's it's recognizable. But at the same time, it if you understand how to manage it, it actually the, the process can be challenging. But there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. So as an example, uh, the number one sided stress point in a marriage is money. That's the number one sided mm-hmm. stress point. And depending on the survey, the number one sided reason for divorce is money. Um, some surveys will have money as number two and infidelity as number one. Um, so that's that's number one. So we try to tackle how to manage money together because that in itself, that's not really a, a matter of the mechanics. Like it's not hard to set a budget. You know, it's not hard to understand the concept mm-hmm. of spending less than you earn. What's challenging is, is that uh, some people have experienced financial trauma. Some people have different money stories. Some people have different perspectives, different values. And when two people are making financial decisions independently because they don't communicate regularly, what happens is the only time they talk about money is when they're fighting about money over somebody overspending or somebody spending money on something they shouldn't or them not having enough money to manage a crisis. And so we just try to help people understand how to facilitate these conversations, how to make sure that they're using evidence-based strategies to manage money, not just some dogmatic approach some guy came up with and got himself out of bankruptcy. Like these are science-based approaches. We're academics, but we use them in plain language. Yeah. And then the other thing is that men are actually, when, when uh, research is found from the University of Cambridge, that when men have, are doing their fair share uh, in the home, right? So like cooking, like I love to cook, right? Love to cook um, or whatever it may be. So there's a division of labor at home um, that's fair. Uh, the biggest boost in happiness in the marriage comes from the man. Men feel better. And that's really important to stress. Like for me, it's it sounds it, it just sounds weird, but there's something kind of nice when you have a job 
where you don't necessarily see the outcomes because it's a lot of soft skill stuff where like you're done cooking and people love it and it, and like to see the expression on their face or like taking an hour and just cleaning and just seeing the end product like hey i actually have, you feel like you accomplished something it's kind of like waking up and yeah. waking up and making the bed so you know you, you literally knocked you literally hit on something right there that aaron aaron just went out this last week didn't you you just bought something new oh, to yeah. clean up your your kid's room <laughs> because your dog was peeing but you had that feeling right yeah yeah, no, I, I went out and bought this super expensive uh, carpet shampoo with like this this you heater. So much money on and that, and it works so great. It, it was it was like three hundred bucks, but it's so worth it, man, because it it brings the carpet back to life. And I spent like maybe three or four hours just like talking with Jewel on the phone and while I was cleaning, and it was so satisfying, you know. It, and it's again something I'm learning to do. You know, I'm I'm a recently new homeowner, you know, so I'm I'm learning to take care of a space, you know, and, and not just solely rely on, oh, you know, my partner can do it. You know, that's, that's out you the window. You guys are both learning that. You know, though. now we both have to, yeah, yeah, no, but it's definitely more, I'll, I'll take the, the fall for that one. You know, I, I, I've been having to pick it up recently, but you know, it's very satisfying and it's, it's very uh, rewarding for, for yourself to see, you know, small work being done. So, so at Modern Husbands, by the way, it's modernhusbands.com if you if you're interested. You know, we 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 try to I'll link it. I'll link it in the show notes for people. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for I'll doing link that. It in the, I'll link it in the show notes for you guys to go ahead and take a look at. I'll link, link Modern Husbands in there. I'll link your Instagram in there as well. Um, and then anything else that you you plug or want in there, I'll I'll send in there as well for, for our listeners to look at. Oh, good. That that means a lot because we're not the reason that we're called Modern Husbands is because we're we're also new and we want community, right? It's not called BrianPage.com for a reason, um, because I don't have all the answers. I've def I'm definitely not a perfect husband, you know. I what we like to do is just uh, tap into experts where they are the ones who can share what works, what doesn't work. So like we have our own podcast, Modern Husbands podcast, and we'll bring in like Dr. Ashley Williams. She's the world's expert on time, money, happiness. She's at Harvard. She's an advisory board member or Dr. Streeve from Duke University, who's an expert on cross-class marriages. And just talk about things that um, are like aha moments for us. So you know, as an example, Dr. Streep was just on recently and and uh, she focuses on marriages where one spouse came from a blue collar background, like low to moderate income. And then the other spouse came from a lot of money. And when they get together, what are the challenges? What are the trends? And it was fascinating to listen to her because as soon as she's sharing these things, these light bulbs are going off in our heads, um, myself and then my co-host, who's a financial therapist. He's at professor at the University of Kentucky, where it's like, wow, man, this is this is deep stuff. And understanding this kind of stuff is important in how you approach conversations about money, because if you, as an example, mm -hmm. come from like financial hardships, a history of financial hardships, you're more likely to spend more freely, like to spend for the day because you didn't get to have that. And that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes people that came from those environments, they struggle to talk about money because it was always a point of tension in their household, right? It was just yeah. something you didn't talk about. Whereas people who came from money, that was different. There wasn't that obstacle. There wasn't that emotion that it came with it because they always had enough. So those people tend to be the organizers, the planners, they, they pinch pennies, they set the budget, they want to talk all the time. Uh, and what happens when those two people get together? Right. So that's like an example. And, and as you know, as what she talked about is 
those two things can be strengths that play off of one another, right? If somebody's a free spender and somebody's really tight with their money, then the person that's tight with their money could always use a nudge or two to spend a little more and vice versa. And when they constantly are talking about it and talking about what they value, what they love and make sure that their money's going toward that, like they have happier marriages. Definitely. No, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I love that. And so like in, in my situation, right? Like myself, I come from a middle to low class income and then my wife does as well. You know, and, you know, my parents were first generation immigrants. So, you know, I, money management wasn't a thing. <laughs> it, it, financial literacy is, is something I learned out on my own. And um, like with myself and my wife, it was something that we had to learn together. And, you know, it happened very young. We're maybe like 19, 20, but it, it's so great to be able to you know, take those skills and apply them. And, you know, even on the whole journey we're taking to purchase our first home, you know, we learned so much and, and so many valuable saving skills and, you know, how to build our credit. It, it was just, it was opening to me, you know, just to see how much goes on and, and goes into it and how much, you know, people can be ignorant to it and not even understand that there's a whole system that you can use to take advantage of and, and build your life however you want to. Well, I have to say first, I'm, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast now. I'm not sure you're aware, but April's Financial Literacy Month. So this is a really a, a great time to share this podcast with your listeners. But Aaron, you brought something up about just something simple as you know, saving and building your credit to get a home. So let me, let me give you an example of how the strategies that oftentimes people learn as individuals differ from the strategies that are necessary when you are managing money together. So about five or six years ago, um, I ended up with a perfect FICO 8 credit score. And I was a fanatic about it, man. I was like, uh, became an expert at understanding credit building strategies. A friend of mine uh, runs um, experience education programs. So I would always hit him up for advice. And it really took like six or seven years to go from 830 to 850. Like those last 20 points are meaningful. So I'm doing things like paying my credit card balance in full every day. That's important. Like that helps uh, revolving credit on your credit scores uh, is a big indicator of it's a big factor in, in what your overall score does. So my utilization rate is like zero percent. Right. And then obviously we're not missing bill payments. We're not over borrowing. So imagine like I'm working my tail off to do it. I'm taking these lessons that I'm learning and sharing them with my students. And I get to 850 and I'm like so freaking proud. Well, fast forward three months. And we decided to switch banks because there was this promotion where you would get $500 if you open a new account at a bank. And we wanted to switch banks anyway, so we switched banks. And as many people do, we have all kinds of auto pay that's set up with our, our bank account. And so this was when I was working 80 hours a week. Hope was working just a, a little bit. She was still working. And we had to communicate literally through email and spreadsheets. And so we had a checklist of what each other should be doing. One of the things, I'm not going to say which spouse, I don't want to call anybody out, but a, a step was missed. The, the uh, uh, auto payment was not transferred to the other bank, the auto pay. So they went to pull out of an account that was no longer there. So what happens is, obviously, the payment doesn't go through. And so now they're emailing just literally like this boilerplate email 
that looks like it's spam. And they actually, they did try to call me. And the first thing they asked for is my social security number. I'm like, oh, okay, pal, you know, I'm no. going to hand up. You're not going to, uh, no, thank that. you. <laughs> and so, so, um, fast forward like 31 days and I get all these alerts on my phone and it says that my credit score just plummeted. I missed a payment. I'm like freaking out. And that's what happened. It, I, it, the strategy that I missed was communication. It had, it had nothing to do with credit building strategies itself. It happened. It had to do with managing money in a marriage where I missed a key step of communicating on a regular basis, at least once a week, sitting down, distraction fee, free for like 30 minutes to go over everything. And if I would have done that, then I would still have this score. But because I didn't do that, I, I lost a, I went from an 850 to a 754. And like, I learned a valuable lesson based on a mistake that I made. So like, those are the things that we try to share at Modern Husbands, where it's not just here credit building strategies, but here are the things you also have to do if you're married to make sure you're coordinated and you're building your wealth together. Definitely. And I love that you mentioned, you know, those 30 minutes uninterrupted. So something I'm working on, I'll give a little spoiler here. I'm working on this, this blog series called The Well-Balanced Dad Diet. Not something I actually put in there under a couple couple of different places because it's super relatable. Just taking those thirty minutes of uninterrupted time to sit down and communicate with your with your spouse to, or to mm. communicate with yourself to take yourself on a walk or to hang out with your kids like just thirty minutes, thirty minutes that you would have free anyways because it's thirty minutes. But if you have to build them into your schedule, if you're working eighty hours a week or if you're working forty hours a week, forty five, whatever your your time is. Build those 30 minutes into your schedule, whether for your for yourself and for your partner, so then that you can communicate about things like this that you need to communicate about, or you can, you know, get exercise or, you know, feel phys feel better physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is that you need to take those 30 minutes to do. Build those 30 minutes in. It's that it, it really is that simple. It really is that simple. And of course, you live and learn. Of course, you know, I've made my own share of we've all made, you know, our own share of financial mistakes and things that we, you know, wish we didn't do, but whatever it might be. But, you know, those 30 minutes, those are huge. Those are huge, um, especially being in, in a marriage. You know, that's one of the things I learned from my from my marriage is that, you know, you have to take that time to communicate with your partner. You have to take that time. And that's something that I've recommitted to myself that I'm going to do when if and when i'm you know ever back in that situation again you know it's literally part of one of the well-balanced dad diets you know pieces that you know take it from the divorce guy you know take it take it from the people that have been through it that made those mistakes you know this is this is what you should be doing <laughs> um kind of thing so um yeah no i love that 30 minutes 30 that's all it takes take those 30 yeah. minutes to communicate and if you have to communicate through spreadsheets or emails you know, do it. If you need more communication than that, communicate that you need to communicate more, you know, communicate your needs. It's really, it's really that simple. Yeah. I have to, I have to say in the spirit of, of financial literacy month, um, that how important it is for the parents who are listening to, uh, try to think about strategies that they can use to teach their own children money lessons. Um, and so, there are a few things, if you don't mind me sharing, that that I think your listeners would find helpful. Um, you know, first of all, that 
there are lessons in our children uh, getting what they want and getting what they and not getting what they want. Right. And and we have to be strategic about those things. And so let me let me dive into that a little bit more. Um, kids learn through experiences and they they don't they don't learn from lectures. So just know that if you start lecturing your kid about money, like they're tu- they're tu- they're tuning you out. They're, they're like they don't want anything to do with the conversation. Uh, so like as an example, uh, we would uh, right before the kids went back to school, uh, we decided to to take them back to school shopping. And rather than us buying everything, we took what we budgeted for back to school shopping and we gave it to each of our kids in cash. So we told the kids, your responsibility now is to make a list of everything that you know you need for school. And that includes notebooks and pencils, whatever the teacher or the school sent to you that are required. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, a lot of kids need clothes or whatever. And whatever you don't spend, you, you keep. So the, what happened was the kids instantly went from begging on those, sh- those trips to the mall. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Because honestly, that's rational. Of course, they're going to beg for everything because it's not their money. So they, they are incentivized to beg for everything. Now, because the cash is in their hand and it's their money to keep, if they don't spend it all, they start thinking about strategies to save. So my kids instantly, like, first question was like, well, do we have to get new schools for new shoes for school? No. Okay. I don't, I don't need new shoes right now. Do I have to get new clothes for school? I only need a new shirt. Can I just get a new shirt? And like, they were, they were thinking about rather than going to the mall, going to the thrift shop. So they go to the thrift shop now. And now you're, so you're teaching your children a mindset of saving and not spending because you're giving them the tool to think through how to do that. And the tool is money. And as a result of that tool and that experience, they then go out and make their own budget. We didn't even have to teach them how to do it. Kids are kids. Kids don't get enough credit, man. They're they're smart. They know how to make a budget that works for them. Um, so that would be like one really important example. Another is just the resources that you can use. So something that uh, Jay, if you could add in your uh, your links, uh, the C- Consumer Financial Protection Bureau (CFPB). They have uh, books called Money Monsters, and they're free. They're, you can download them to your computer. Teachers can order actually classroom sets that are delivered to the schools. And they're just these stories for younger children that are like ages 3 to 10 that weave in money lessons. And there's parent guys that go with them. Money as you grow is the same thing. And it's a, and it, a really good way to take what they should be doing anyway, which is uh, reading, and turning that into a conversation about money. Where when they're done, the parent guides will help with questions that you could pose to them, right? So as an example, the, the, there's this book called The Rag Tote. And it's one of my favorites for, for children who are five, six, seven years old. And essentially, a girl uh, takes a piece, an article of clothing, all these different articles of clothing, and she sews them together to make a coat. So she looks, it looks like a rag coat, right? All these intermingled just random patches with different colors and the kids at school are making fun of her for it right because obviously she she has a coat on for them they're six years old they're like this looks weird and at the end of the story she decides to explain to her friends what she did and she told her friends hey look this cloth this is from a towel from that you gave me or this is from a shirt that um that you had that you wanted to throw away this was from my parents 
And what she did was she took all these articles of clothing to the people from the people she loved the most, and she stitched them together. And she explained to her friends, this way, I can always feel like I'm close to all of you. And and so for a kid that's six and seven years old, what are you teaching? You're teaching them to not rush to judgment. You're teaching them to never judge somebody by the clothes that they wear. Like that's a terrible, terrible way to judge somebody. You should judge somebody by their character and how they treat people, especially people who can't do anything for them. You're teaching them empathy, right? You're teaching them uh, an, uh, the lesson of kind of like taking a step back. I, the great Ted Lasso once said, and I guess it started with Walt Bittman, um, mm-hmm. that you should be uh, curious, not judgmental. And that, that was the, that was just one lesson from one of the books. No, and that's <clears throat> another thing. And that can be really hard with co-parenting too. Um, it can be really hard yeah. co-parenting and making sure that judgment, because judgment's taught. I firmly believe that a lot of these things, judgment, negativity, um, hate, all these different kind of bullying, all those things are taught. They're a reflection of what they see, what they hear, what, they, what they're observing in their day-to-day lives. And one thing that just happened recently was my, my, um, my kid's mom, she messaged me. She's like, why the heck is she wearing a large shirt like it was like a 10 12 shirt it was huge on her but it was it was a pokemon shirt that she really wanted from old navy and that was what she she really wanted there was another size i'm like are you sure you're okay with this are you sure you want this one it's like yeah yeah i really want this one i love it i love it i really want this one she had put like two other shirts back to get this one specific shirt um i'm like okay cool whatever you want so she worked to school she's wearing leggings just the bag the big baggy t-shirt look and I get a text at the end of the day because it was our exchange day when she wore it. And she's like, why the heck is she wearing a this size shirt? She looks ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, what's the matter? Like, it's a shirt A she wanted. As long as yeah. we don't tell her she looks ridiculous, she's fine. If right. that's what she's comfortable going to school in, more power to her. And it's what she wanted to do. Who cares? She's comfortable. She's confident. It doesn't matter. We should just be happy that she's happy with her shirt and her in her clothes and feeling the way she's feeling. Right. Agreed. So it's like a lot of those things are, are... Yeah. You know, we... Go ahead. We actually got into this uh, in a couple episodes ago, I believe. Um, but, you know, parents actually put themselves at a financial disadvantage trying to send their kids to school in, you know, the top gear, the top uh, clothing, top brands, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, you know, especially if you're middle to low income, you need to scrape up as much as you can, you know, to, to put it to work for you. So, you know, you, I mean, you know, once in a while, sure, you know, a nice outfit, everyone, that it's not bad for anyone to do that. You know what I mean? But to constantly be trying to achieve the best look while not teaching your kids to that, that doesn't matter. You know, it's 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 very detrimental, both in a financial standpoint and like you said, you know, you're missing out on a, a point of empathy. Yeah. 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 Which I wish all schools had uh, uh, dress um, uniforms. It just takes it takes that conversation. out. I mean, but that's a whole separate conversation. No, I remember where I went to middle school, um, you know, we had T-shirts. It was, this was in Hawaii and this was just on the West Coast in Hawaii, but. At um, like at our middle school, we had we had shirts that we had to wear. We had to wear like freaking the school shirt every day. Like you, you had to wear the same top. And That's then, great. 
It was great because the only thing that you had was just your pants and your shoes. But at the same time, it's like more or less you look the same. It's like, oh, cool shoes. And that was pretty much the extent of that. And then where I went to high school, it was a full uniform. That where I went to high school for two years in California. Again, full uniform. You know, we had polos. You had certain pants you could wear. You could wear whatever shoes. But, you know, at the same time, like, it really didn't matter because we all looked the same. We're all wearing the same thing, just a different style. But you all looked the same. So, I mean, that conversation was kind of out the door because it didn't matter. It only mattered if you're going to social events. and But then... Again, if you don't go to social events, it doesn't matter. Um, so, no, I, I agree. I think uniforms are they're a really good thing. They make life a lot simpler for parents um, because then your local stores will pick up on that and they'll sell what you need and it'll be a lot it's easier to outfit your kid that way. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds you like you can put a little bit more money into a nicer pair of Vans instead of just a pair of shoes from Target or something. You know, then you can be a little bit more – you can care a little bit more about the quality – of shoes because shoes are important, but you know, depending on your area and whatnot, your situation. Are your kids at the tooth fairy age? Uh, I would oh, say yeah. yeah. My older one, yeah, is, she are. has she has a couple <laughs> loose teeth right now, so we're we're trying to figure we're trying to get them out. Um, one's been in there for weeks. It's just been wiggly and wiggly. It's more wiggly one day than not as wiggly the next day. She's crunching on apples whenever she can to try to get teeth out, but they're just not budging. So I, I heard a, a really good story, uh, of, or I guess it'd be a lesson, that you can use when the tooth fairy should be arriving. So rather than putting money under the pillow, there was a family uh, that Ron Lieber from uh, the New York Times, he wrote a book called The Opposite of Spoiled. It was a great book, my, my, one of my favorite books of all time. And what this couple did was they would replace the child's tooth with an animal tooth. And there's actually you can I don't have the website in front of me. There's like a website where you can buy animal teeth. Right. For this very reason, they're not that not too expensive. So then they would have a letter that went with the animal tooth explaining enough about the animal tooth where they could investigate it. And they made it into like a scavenger hunt to figure out exactly which animal tooth it was. And so it turned into this like fun and engaging 20 minute lesson with mom or with dad or whomever about a like an animal. Right. It could be a shark tooth, for example. And they learned about sharks. So rather than just this arbitrary, here's your dollar, they're like super engaged and super like, like, holy crap, this is a shark's tooth. This is so cool. So it's just something to, to float out there for, for listeners who are in that stage with their children. Yeah, you can you can find a lot of those on Etsy, it looks like. Oh, um, nice. There's a ton on Etsy that have those different varieties. I'm seeing some that are, you know, there's a price range, but, you know, I see beaver molars. I see beaver teeth. I'm seeing uh, wolf teeth. I'm seeing... All sorts of different animals, canine teeth. Uh, I'm sure you can specifically find something, but yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool because it takes it from the arbitrary into something more fun. Um, and then you can always incentivize it at the end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How old's your daughter, Jay? I can hear her in the background. I want to meet her. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um we can we can do that after the after the recording for sure though. Bring bring um, it, bring bring the five year old in. Let's has she ever been on the podcast? 
I don't think she has. Um, let's, she's kind let's of in do her. It. She's kind of in her mood right now. So. Oh, she is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't bring her in. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that's that's a lot about financial literacy. There's a ton of it that goes into, you know, ton of it that goes into your money as a as a couple. I mean, you, that's one of the very basic things. I think once you are fully committed. I heard this thing from Steve, Har- Steve Harvey, actually, of all people, um, that he was talking about it. And he said that every couple should have four accounts. Mm. And he said the four accounts should be, yeah. you know, you have one one account that's your direct deposit account. Both both your checks go into there. That's the one that all your bills come out of. Uh, second one is a savings account that you and your partner decide on. Like, that's how much is going to go into savings. Non-negotiable. Um and then the fourth, the third one, the three and four were his account and her account. Again, with those pre-decided amounts of money that are like, this is how much you're going to have, so much I'm going to have. It's equal. It's even, you know. And let's say they communicate about that, like, okay, you know, this week I'm going to get my hair done. So I need, you know, I'm going to take an extra this amount out because this is how much it's going to cost ahead of time with everything included, or this week I'm going to get my nails done, or he could say this week, you know, a new video game comes out and I'm going to buy it with this. Um, I would like a little bit extra, you know, kind of thing. So just having those like communication skills, but those were like the basic four accounts. So I don't know what the thoughts would be on that from you. Well, that uh, that's a good question. So um, this is a great example of how uh, managing money in a marriage is both an art and a science. So the science of it is, you know, to find the account services that make the most sense for you and your spouse, right? So avoiding fees, higher interest rates, APYs, yields for savings accounts, um, those kinds of things. Another thing that would, another factor to consider is uh, that people uh, more frequently are able to not just save, but save continually to continue to save when their split deposit from their, from their employer goes into a savings account that is at a separate bank or credit union than where their spending money goes. That's very important because what happens is if it all goes to the same bank or credit union, even if it goes to different accounts, psychologically, the, the mobile app comes up and we can see both accounts and it just turns into two checking accounts because we can just quickly move the money back and forth. So yeah. it's, it's, it's just a waste to put it in the same bank or credit union. However, uh, like this is what we do. We, we have a bank there where we do our primary banking and then we have an online savings bank where they just, they're, there's no brick and mortar. It's the Goldman Sachs bank because the APY is 4%. So the, the, our savings goes there and we don't ever see it because the app is, you know, in a different location. Um, we, we, uh, it's out of sight, out of mind. And then if we need to move yeah. the money over, you know, it takes one to three days. So there's that like obstacle, yeah. right? So that's important. So that's that's an example of the of of the science. Here's the art. So the, so what the, you're saying is like part of your part of your direct deposit, you have a split to go. You have like a predetermined amount, like however much is going to go in straight to the savings. The rest is going to your actual spending account. You got it. You got it. Because okay, okay. What Tracking. what the what the research says is that the people who we all think have awesome willpower. Don't like most people don't have willpower. If you put in front of me an apple and a steak, 
I know the apple is better, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I've been waiting for this no. delicious apple all day, right? I'm going to eat the steak. So you have to put systems in place that reduce or eliminate the need to use willpower. That's the key. So by putting it in a separate bank or credit union, you're reducing the need to be able to use willpower. So that's, gotcha. that's a science. Now, now, the art of, in this example, managing money together, in this example, is to select a strategy that works best for you. That's very, very okay. important. There are a lot of different systems out there. So the three systems that are most commonly uh, used are, one, all your money is pooled together. Now, you might have different accounts, but you each have access to those accounts. Uh, mm. And I want to stress that it depends on what works best for you. But what the true, research has true. found is that people who do that are less likely to divorce. So that that and for whatever reason, um, I'm not saying that's the right thing, but that is just a, something to consider. The second consideration is the up, other end of the spectrum. And a friend of mine does this. Um, it's a second marriage and they have like complicated finances because of it's a second marriage. So they literally just have completely separate accounts and then they pay the bills together. That's how they do it. It works great for them. Okay. So again, no judgment, man, whatever works for you. The third, yeah, exactly. very, I agree. very, very similar Jay to what you're talking about. Um, yours, mine and ours, yours, mine and ours. So it's where one member, uh, one spouse has their own account, right? Um, the other has their own account, yours, mine, and then there's a account that they both share. Now, that could be a checking and a saving that they both share. And mm -hmm. uh, they, ideally, if let's say one partner has impulsive inclinations, you could set the account up where they both have to sign off before money's withdrawn. It's just another barrier that forces the conversation. And then yeah. the separate accounts are most commonly not much. It's just arbitrary money, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month, a hundred bucks a month. And it's just play money. Right. So I like to play fantasy football. You know, I, I'm not sure my wife is like super thrilled about the fantasy football dues. Right. <laughs> or maybe she likes to go buy, you know, trinkets that are really, you know, overpriced. But if it's coming from her own account, then I don't stress about it. That's her money. So that would be an yeah. advantage of having yours, mine and ours. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like myself and my wife, we use a, a strategy. I forgot where we learned it from or, or where we seen it, but um, so, like you said, we our uh, our direct deposits are, are automatically split. So twenty percent goes to um, from each of us goes to a credit union that we share together, and every month that account is emptied into two different IULs for one for myself and one for my wife. And then one goes into a, a investing Roth, right? a Roth account to uh, for like long-term, long-term saving. And then we also keep a, a cash emergency fund. And then um, the 80% that goes into our direct accounts that are our own, obviously we, we pay our own bills and then we, um, have another saving built into that bank. So it's like a, a personal saving for mine. Like if I want to, like Jewel knows I have a project truck. Like if I want to, you know, save up for the truck, I'll put in that savings account. Or, you know, if I want to work towards a certain goal, it goes into that account. But as far as like a long-term saving plan, we, we do that together through that 
that joint account. That's I love. Thanks for for sharing that, Aaron. That's great. No, I love that. I love that. So, you know, we we spend a lot of time right here on financial literacy, and it's so important. It's so important. But you know, you mentioned it at the top how difficult it can be to to transition from that working mm-hmm. role to working in the home. And yeah. I had a ton of difficulty with that when my divorce happened because all of a sudden I go from, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the chores, whatever it was needed at, you know, any given time. And of course it's going to be different for everyone. It's going to be different for me. It's going to be different for Aaron. It's going to be different for you. What looks, what it looks like in our situation. It's going to be different for every one of our listeners, but it was so difficult for me to the point where I was, where we were communicating a lot. We still do, but not as much on like, what are the girls snacking on this week? What are, mm. what foods are they into? What are we doing as far as like bottles and sippy cups and, you know, what are they using and all these different things? Like, what do they like right now? Um, so that was part of it. But also all of a sudden I'm doing all the laundry. I'm putting away all the clothes. I'm doing my laundry, two kids laundry, uh, baby laundry to now toddler laundry. I'm cleaning everything now and so it was a transition for me because those were a lot of the chores that I didn't do I did a lot of the cooking I did a lot of cleaning in the kitchen floors you know I had my part she had her part then you're all of a sudden doing it all Um, and for me that was difficult because I didn't know how (laughs) Um, I had seen it done I had done it growing up but I hadn't done it recently so for anyone from your perspective, when you're going into now managing the home from just paying the bills and going to work, you know, constantly, what, what kind of things are, are there, like what kind of things does modern husband promote there? Yeah, good, good question. So, um, and again, it's, it's very similar to managing money where there's an art and a science and you got to find the, what the strategy that works best for you. Right. So everybody's different. Uh, so what, what we have found are uh, just a few truisms to, that that are true regardless, right, of whatever your strategy may be. Um, the first one that I I, I want to point out uh, is from Eve Rosky. She wrote about this in Fair Play, and that if there's a household household chore that you want to take on, that that spouse should own it. Okay, so she'll she'll share, and I agree with this that it's really hard for uh, everything to be equal. And, and frankly, it, maybe it shouldn't be like, like it might make more sense if she does more than him or, or, you know, her and her, him and him, um, or vice versa. It, Cause it really depends on your circumstances. So, you know, right now I probably do 80% just because of our circumstances. Um, but this, what, what we learned was essential was that if let's say you own cooking, that you own everything that goes with cooking because it's you already got enough going on when you're married, you have kids, but you also have to bear in mind that if you share the same chore, it just means that you have to talk more, right? So let's say that I own cooking. That means I own making the grocery list, deciding what we're going to have every day, laying it out on the calendar, doing all of the cooking because there's a mental load that comes with managing the home. That's like there unspoken. Definitely is. It's and it's yeah. hard. No, it's, it's, it's true. Hard. Go go ahead, go ahead and continue. I'm gonna step away from my computer real quick. I'm still hearing you, but go ahead sure. and keep going. Talk about that mental load and kind of what what that's like. And then if you're still on uh, video with us, 
Um, we lost Aaron due to uh, power outage in California right now. So it's just uh, Brian and I for the time being. Um, not sure if he'll come when he'll come back on, but Brian continue because that mental that mental struggle is is something real. Because I am so much more tired when I work and I have to come home and my weeks that I have my kids because I'm cleaning, I'm bathing them, I'm I'm just so much more tired. But the weeks I don't have them because I have them week on week off, um, like those weeks I don't have them, like everything stays clean. I have a few dishes, you know, it's real quick. You know, I take care of myself. I take care of things that need to be cleaned up and that's it. But when you're at home all the time or when you're taking care of them constantly, it's just cleaning, 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 cleaning. So it's definitely a mental, it's a mental thing that I have to like prepare for week over week. So, um, yeah, go ahead and jump in on that. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, I'll give you just a, another example. Um, let's say that you're responsible for doctor's appointments, right? That in itself is a challenge because you're not just responsible for making the appointments. You're responsible for calling into the school to inform them that they're not going to be there, collecting, depending on the age, if they're young, collecting anything that they missed, um, making sure that you get to the doctors on time, uh, making sure that you have all of the information the doctor's going to require, so identification, um, your health insurance card, um, making sure that you are able to negotiate, if necessary, the price of the appointment, following up with the insurance bill, uh, if, if needed, um, uh, going back to the insurance company, because perhaps, and they're known to do this, they're overcharging. Um, that's just all of those things that they'll, they do. That's just one Ask example. Ask for your itemized of, bill. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. If you're going to go to the emergency room, ask the itemized bill. So that's just one example of owning, taking your child to the doctor of you're not just owning that you're owning the mental load of everything that goes with it. And I just listed seven things and I, and I yeah. credit, you know, Eve Roski to pointing that out or, you know, another one, you know, could be um, uh, cleaning the kitchen. So, uh, or anything that has to do with the dishes, uh, the kitchen. I'm sorry, but anything that has to do with the kitchen. So I had on our podcast, uh, the Modern Husbands podcast, uh, Philip Olson, um, who Philip and Julia uh, run Two Cents. So you can watch Two Cents on PBS. Um, it's a really cool uh, show that takes like common challenges that people face in managing money, and they like mm -hmm. act out these scenarios and teach. And I thought, and they're financial planners. So I thought, who better? talk to you about how to manage money together and manage the home together than two people that are experts at it and do it together. And he said, you know, what we found out in our house is that the amount of work it takes to do anything revolving around the kitchen, and that means cleaning, dishes, cooking, grocery shopping, ordering trash bags, etc. Any of that, mm -hmm. that all adds up to this, all the other chores in the house, right? So what they said was, Philip does just the kitchen, anything that involves the kitchen. And she does everything else, laundry, sweeping the living room, those kinds of things. And for them, they're like, it's simple. It's fair. It's equal. Um, and then when it comes to money, that's a whole different ballgame, right? They, they're experts mm -hmm. at it. So they, they, they have a whole different kind of system for that. So that would be an example of where if you own the kitchen, you own the mental load of that. Cause I don't know how you feel about this, but you open the fridge and there's no milk, right? It's like, oh, uh, man, that's that's one thing that sneaks up on me every week, I feel, is that 
because I have them for a week on, a week off at a time. So obviously my fridge has a bit more in it when they're here versus when they're not. Um, because I go from cooking for three to cooking for one. Um, and then I can survive off leftovers and, um, I intermittent fast as it is. So I only eat for a few, a few hours window every day. So I don't, I don't eat a ton, especially when I'm working out regularly like I am. I'm just not as hungry. You know, my supplements fill me up. Um, you know, that one meal really keeps me pretty, pretty good throughout the day, maybe a couple snacks, but you know, when I open that fridge, I know they're going to be there. I'm going to have one of them or both of them to watch them while their mom's at work or take care of them or whatever. Um, on my off days, it's like crap. What am I going to do now? Exactly. And it's like an example of the mental load. Like you got to be aware of, are you out of trash bags? Are you out of milk? Are you out of eggs? And, and I know it sounds like it's something like it's a little thing. It's not a big deal, but it's a big deal when your kid wants cereal in the morning and you don't have milk because they have like a meltdown, when, right? Yeah. Or when they milk, want mac and cheese and you can't make mac and cheese because you don't have yeah. milk for mac and cheese or when you need to replace the trash because your trash is full and your dog's getting into it and you're like, oh crap, I'm out of trash bags. Or there's that mental part of it, too, that also goes back into the financial side of it to where you're like, OK, I have a crap. I'm out of trash bags, but, you know, I haven't gone to Costco because I don't have a Costco list yet. So then you make a Costco list and then you're looking at your Costco list and you're like, crap, that looks like an expensive Costco list. Is that is that where we're at right now? Because I need dog food, trash bags, you know, whatever the heck else you need um, in between because Costco is a big, scary, beautiful place. Um <laughs> So, you know, it's like, crap, I went from needing just trash bags to realizing I need $400 worth of Costco crap, where I'm going to end up spending five or six because it's Costco and it's beautiful and it's amazing, um, you know, or, or it goes from milk and you go to the grocery store, you make your grocery list and it's like, crap, well, I'm low on this, I'm low on this, I'm low on this, I'm going anyway, so now I'm going to spend all this extra money and it's all part of it, it all ties in. We, we had on the, uh, the Modern Husbands podcast, uh, well, it's been pre-recorded, so we'll release it later. Uh, the, the person at the University of Georgia who heads their family consumer science, right? So she's a, a doctor. Um, she has a PhD. She focuses on nutrition, but she also focuses on managing the home. And like for us, for our family, nothing annoys me more than wasted food. It drives me nuts yes. because food is such an, ex an expense that – Oh, really, yeah. you, you can if you can find a way like you can really reduce your spending. So what she talked about was the importance of forecasting a series of meals and how people would respond. So as an example, let's say you make a meal recognizing there's going to be leftovers. I love this. The set, the follow up meal would include those leftovers, but the kids don't know it's leftovers and you don't call it leftovers. It's just a it's just a dish. So. For example, she's like, look, rotisserie chickens go a long way because you just pick them they up. The do. Grocery. They're they easy. Do. So just grab a couple. You can have uh, rotisserie chicken, mashed potatoes and green beans as an example. I'm like, OK. And she's yep. like, then, you know, as a follow up the next day, you can take the rotisserie chicken and you can make if you want to eat healthy an olive oil based uh, chicken salad. And then you can take yep. the mashed potatoes and you can pan fry them with just a little bit of like cheese or butter, maybe put some bacon bits in it. And now you have a second Twice meal. potatoes. Bingo. You can have, yeah, exa no. exactly. So that no, is, I love that. That is like something where you, you asked me like, what's another example of a cognitive load. You really have to think that through. You have to research if there's leftovers here, 
what can I do with it? Or if it's Friday um, and I'm having buddies over on Saturday for the for the game, so I'm going to go get a ro- like two rotisserie chickens. We're going to have chicken and green beans with the kids or whatever's healthy because the leftover. Right, and then I'm going to turn that chicken. same chicken into rolled chicken tacos. I'm going to turn it into buffalo yes. dip. I'm going to turn it into yes. all these things. No, I, I hear what you're saying 100% because I, I do a lot of the same thing when I know my when I, when I'm going to have the kids. I make sure I plan out and it's very intentional. You have to be very intentional with it when you have young children because you have to know their food preferences. And that's why I communicate with my ex a lot about food is because we, we really want to make sure the food matches between the two households. Highly recommend mm, that if, if you smart. can as co-parents communicate about the food that they're eating at both places. So that's very familiar to them at both places. So they know what to expect because, you know, my oldest grew up eating the same food for, you know, majority of her life for three years of her life. And she's used to certain things. And I know her mother's still going to cook those same things because she's going to cook them. But I need to make sure that she's eating food that she's going to recognize and, and enjoy still here with me. So, you know, I do a lot of the same things that she would make, but I'm very intentional. Like I was saying, be very intentional with what you're making. Like I know I'm going to make, I'm probably going to make the bean dip that she likes. You know, I know she likes butter noodles and not spaghetti. So I'm going to make separate noodles for her, but then I'm going to make noodles for myself and for the little one that's spaghetti because I know she'll eat, the little one will eat really anything put in front of her. Um, so yeah, I just have to be very careful to not try to introduce those new foods, but then use those same leftovers, you know, the next day for lunch, like we're going to have it today or let her know, Hey, we're going to have leftovers today. These are your options. You can have leftover this or that or that. It's usually on nights where I know we're going to be busy, where we have a sport or something. It's like, hey, you just need to eat something. I don't care what you eat, but these are your choices. Pick one, and we're going to roll with it. So, But no, highly agree where you know, I'll make a freaking one pound of ground beef just for her. Not to eat at once, because I'm not going to let her eat a whole pound of ground beef, but that ground beef goes into lunches, and it goes into her eating it for lunch throughout the whole freaking week. So, right. you know, it goes further... You know, or when I make ground beef, I'll put beans and corn in it. And then, you know, that's more filling. A smaller portion is going to fill her up more. And it's going to kind of offset that $4 I'm paying for one pound of ground beef. Um, you, I'm going to hold you to this if you say yes, Jay. So think about it. But I would love to have you write uh, for our website, modernhusbands.com. We have a little food section that we're starting to build out where the focus is like practical things like this for families. Um, so if you want, I would love it if you would email me, uh, some of your meal planning strategies, like you get the pound of ground yeah. beef then what do you do with it? I would love to share that with, with our community because that's the yeah, practical no, side of like parenting and making food, right? Yeah. You have to, you have to be practical with it. Like my youngest daughter, she loves rice and beans. I ask her what she wants to eat. Granted, she's two language is a little limited, but when it comes to what she wants to eat, uh, rice beans. Nice. Kid loves nice. rice and beans because my, my ex-wife, her, you know, her, her new partner, her new husband, um, is Latino, Hispanic. So, I mean, that's a lot of what they eat there is rice and beans. It's very common. It's what we ate before still, but that's kind of like her go-to staple, like rice beans, rice beans. So I buy a lot of rice and beans, but I don't just buy a can of beans every time I go. I buy the eight or 12 pack of beans at Costco for three dollars less and then turn that into and then rice and beans i make two cups of instant rice i really only buy instant rice minute rice 
because it's it's fine. It's just rice. Um, couple things added in to make sure it boils faster to help it cook, but other than that, it's just rice. I've never felt bad after eating rice. You know, I I really like to compare my carbs, and if I eat pasta or bread, like I can very much feel myself feeling lethargic after. Yeah, but every me time too. I eat, every time I eat rice, I feel I feel great. I feel great. I feel full, but I still have energy. I can still move. I don't want to just lay down and take a nap. Like I, I really enjoy eating rice. So then that rice, those two cups of rice that I just made, I put taco seasoning in and season it up for some flavor. Cause I hate plain. I can't do plain rice. I can, but I prefer not to, you know, if I make teriyaki yeah. chicken, then I put the teriyaki sauce from the chicken into the rice as it boils, stir it up. I have a little bit of flavor on my rice, yeah. you know, but then that, I can turn that rice into rice and beans because the flavor is very subtle. She's not going to notice. She just says, oh, rice beans. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a great example. So, so um, yeah, I feel like I agree with you there. Um, those strategies to manage the home. I mean, this, you got to take on the mental load of it as well because it is exhausting. Yeah. It is tiring, you know, dishes, putting dishes away, starting laundry, moving laundry, Folding it, putting the laundry away, um, taking care of the yard, taking care of those little things that you don't think of like, oh, shoot, look up at my fan. My fan's dusty. I need to clean that. Or my baseboards are dirty. I need to clean my baseboards. And um, just putting all those things in. And then surprises happen. Oh, like, for example, yesterday, right before we were going to go to church, my the day before my youngest had spilled a Capri Sun in the room and we had those foam like ABC pads that are bright and colorful like red orange mm -hmm. blue green red whatever um mm -hmm. and she spilled a Capri Sun so then there were ants there the next morning and then like she found an ant by her shoe and then that turned into me finding all these ants in this one spot so then it was had to clean it twice had to bleach that spot where they were at yeah. You know, and I'm just so freaking tired because the night before she, uh, my youngest had woken up a couple times and, you know, it's just a cycle. So you have to be ready to take on that mental load of the home. And, and That's it, right. There's nothing that can prepare you for it except just doing it and kind of figuring out, you know, a routine and a schedule for you, like, and being able to put yourself to the side and, you know, find other things that you can enjoy doing. Like, I love listening to podcasts as I'm doing these things. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've listened to Modern Husbands. I listen to um, Joe. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Um, he's one of my favorite podcasts out there. But, you know, you have to find things that help you stay you as a person. And, you know, that's the last thing I want to ask you about. <clears throat> kind of wrap us up here, excuse me. But it's so, so common. So, so common that one partner especially dads kind of lose themselves for their families. You know, you kind of mentioned it earlier to where you kind of went through that, you know, you're working all these hours, you're really doing all these things. You weren't saying no, probably as much as you should have. Yeah. You know, so this transition wasn't maybe, I mean, from what I gathered it, it worked out. It's worked out since, but maybe yeah. it wasn't as easy at first to kind of let no. some of those things go. But because those that's where you established your value as a man, as a partner, as a husband, yeah. as a father was that was where your value lied. So bringing it all back here to kind of the what for me, you know, part of the well-balanced dad diet here is to how do 
when you're in a modern husband situation like this, you're a modern husband in today's world. How do you add that value back to your life? And how do you keep like your own cup full to make sure that you can still pour into all those other cups effectively without, you know, over pouring and refill yourself and keep yourself, you know, feeling valuable because it, it's not, it's not how it was back when, you know, even our parents were raised or grandparents, you know, 50, 60 years ago, our culture has massively shifted. Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, the, the challenge that I faced was that, you know, in my own mind that I thought that I was doing our family a favor by focusing on providing, providing, providing. And, you know, in retrospect, um, it was really a disservice because what that led to was more time away from family. I put more burden on my wife to manage basically everything at home. Um, when I did come home, I was emotionally exhausted and probably not the best parent. And I, I was doing those things because instinctually, I, instinctively, I thought, you yeah, know, this is the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. it's fr- frankly, it's really not. You have to maintain balance in your life. You have to look at things more practically and pretend there's no such thing as gender. Just pretend gender doesn't exist. How can two human beings cohabitate and together make sure that they're using their natural skill sets and opportunities to be able to raise their family or work with one another in their marriage and and do that in a way where they both feel happy and healthy and they feel like that the relationship itself is something where they're pulling together each other's strengths and together they're they're happier that that is how you in my opinion you have to look at it that way and you'll feel Mm -hmm. liberated you'll liberate yourself from these pressures and these stresses to feel like you must be the number one provider it's not Mm -hmm. that simple anymore you i promise you will be happier and healthier and you'll have a happier marriage in most cases obviously there's lots of partnerships out there um if if you look at life through that practical lens of just liberating yourself from this this must be my role kind of attitude to how can you work together as a team and be great mm-hmm. teammates with each other i love that and that's something a couple of our guests in the past have uh, mentioned specifically brad um he's a buddy of mine he hosts the baseball together podcast we co-host the seattle baseball together podcast as well um you know him and his wife have a daughter that's on the spectrum um mm. She's the best. She's so cool. She's so fun. Um, but that's one thing when they found out and a lot of what he shares in his story, if any of our listeners want to go back and listen to that, that was episode. Oh gosh. That was a long time ago. We had Brad on. He was like one of our second guests. Um, anyways, I'll find that here in a second, but you know, with him and his wife, I was like, ask them like, what, what did you do? What did you guys do that, you know, that you guys are able to, to do this together and he's like we just committed to being a team that's actually episode eight um so that was a while back almost 20 episodes ago now back in november but rings true today you know he you have to to commit to being a team and then that was reiterated with evan his daughter has sturge weber syndrome um Mm. same thing you know a lot of things have come with that sturge sturge weber port wine you know seizures and whatnot is commit to being a team to raise to, to be in that situation. And then same for Brig as well. Brig lost his wife to cancer and you know he went through some things. If you listen to episode 17, committed they just him and his daughter committed to just being a team 
to where how he raises her is like just to be a good teammate, be a good person. Like, hey, you know, teammates don't lie to each other. You know, we're on the same team together, right? And, you know, so it's just a very common, very common thing. I, I want to stress something, though. You, you brought up an important pattern that it took something exceptional or it could have been a tragedy, something that mm-hmm. they knew that they had to change in order to manage themselves. And then after they did, they realized how much happier they were. I just want to yes. point that out to the listeners that it should not take that. You should not have to be faced with something that forces your hand to be happier. You should be willing to recognize that stepping out of the perceived gender norms and working as teammates will make your marriage and partnership a better one. No, I 100% agree. And, you know, taking it back to Brad there, because we're kind of started at episode eight there, you know, him and his wife, they were already a team, but they, they recommitted to being a more, you know, a better team. Because sure. of all these things that were coming up now, you know, speech therapy and all these different therapies, all these different things they have to do on a regular basis. You know, they had to really commit to it, to being a team as a partner. And that's one of his big things. And, you know, something I've added into the well-balanced, I keep plugging the well-balanced dad diet. It's not even out yet. Um, it's still in the works. But, you know, you have to commit to being that teammate with your partner, even with your kids to an extent. You have to, and with yourself, you have to commit to to being on that team. Because a lot of us men at one point in time, I guarantee you were on a team of some kind right? back in your younger days. A football team, yeah. baseball team, basketball team, whatever. You were on that team. And you know if you didn't communicate with your teammates, you, you gave up you know, a run or a score or a touchdown or a goal or whatever it was. But if you had that good communication, you guys were all on the same page, then you guys were great. And if there was a miscommunication, you didn't, you didn't destroy your teammate. Right. You'd be like, come on, man, you suck. You suck. You didn't destroy your teammate whatsoever, but you, um, you lifted um, you them up. To, yeah, lift them up. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, Brian, last, let's wrap it up here. Um, you know, first, to, one of two questions to end. First question, I wish Aaron was here, but does pineapple go on pizza? For God's sake, no. Please don't ruin a pizza with pineapple. Did you, are you a Good pineapple night. on pizza guy? Oh God. Thank no, okay. no. That's Aaron an important is. question. Um, okay. Aaron is. So that's a very important question. Um, and then next question, is there any, any last thing you want to leave? You know, it's been awesome talking to you. I didn't know April was financial literacy month. I took a bunch of notes from what you were saying. Um, you know, a lot of this, you know, we'll see again, but anything, any last words that you want to leave from our listeners for about being a dad, being a modern husband, a modern father, modern couple, Anything that you want to leave here? Any any piece of advice or wisdom or anything that you've learned in your many years? Yeah, uh, I guess be like water. You're going to face all these different uh, challenges. And if you're always like butting up against these challenges and trying to dam up against it, uh, that dam's going to come crashing down. Be like water. Always look for ways to solve problems based on circumstances. And I know it's a shameless plug for our newsletter, but it it's just something where you should constantly be reading and t- considering different perspectives. So if you go to modernhusbands.com, we send a newsletter once every two weeks. That's it. We don't send anything else. We don't share your email with anybody else. And and just take ideas from there and others, right? Like people that are in your community to be like water, to manage the problems that come at you without building a dam that's going to come crashing down. Kind of go with the flow and solve the problems as they come. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Brian, it's been great having you. Um, kind of going back to where we were talking about teeth earlier, if you go to hideandfur.com, they nice. have all sorts of uh, teeth and animal teeth and claws and things like that. Alligator, coyotes, uh, moose, uh, muskrats, uh, otters, porcupines, miscellaneous, wolverines, wolves, turkeys, all sorts of different things. So um, hideandfur.com, they're local in Moscow, Idaho. So if any of our listeners want to go over there, they're not a sponsor. I just found them. They look pretty legit. I was looking at some of their stuff. They have some cool stuff on there. So um, I would love to get some eagle claws. I think that'd be cool. But anyways, Brian, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's chit chat more. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we have you again, because these are some great topics that we would love to go deeper into. So thanks for having me, Jay. Of course, of course. Audience, give them a round of applause. Hey, hey, you, are you still here with me? Thank you so much for listening all the way to the very end. Definitely appreciate it. Don't forget to leave five stars, leave a comment, leave a review, head over to YouTube, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias, even TikTok. And all of those links, plus every single deal that we have in affiliation, you can find in our link tree. Just by going to the show notes, clicking the link tree link, it really does help us just with likes, five stars, subscribes, all of that. It's a great way to support us and it really helps us keep going. We really appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. Can't wait to be with you next week.